You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for You Better You Bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. Welcome in, You Better You Bet. PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat here with you on a Tuesday, filling in for Nick Costos and Ken Barkley, who will be back tomorrow. Ryan and I will be with you for the next four hours up until 7 o'clock Eastern Tom, you can watch us on twitch.tv slash betql, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. You can also watch us on Sirius Channel 160, Sirius XM 205. We'll be on Stadium in about an hour from 4 to 6. Make sure you check us out there. Coming up, Rick Camp will join us later on in the show in the third hour. We'll talk some NBA with Rick. We're going to talk plenty of NFL today as well. But, Ryan, we're going to start with uh, some breaking news which happened about 10 minutes before we hopped on air, and that is Joey Gallo. No, I'm just kidding. He did sign with the Nationals. One-year deal, by the way. With the Nats. With the Nats. Joey Gallo's coming to D.C. The big news, however, though, is the Milwaukee Bucks have decided to fire their head coach uh, after just 43 games. Adrian Griffin, who is 30-13, and 13, Ryan. This uh, from Shams is that he he's fired, and now the Bucks are looking at Doc Rivers, who has emerged as a serious candidate to become Milwaukee's next head coach. Stop. So, Is that the onion? That's real? That's real. Doc Rivers? From Shams, yeah. Okay, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off right no. there, but that is, uh, that's that's shocking right there. I mean, you got to remember that the Bucks just won the NBA Finals a couple of years ago. They're a couple of years removed from winning the NBA Finals against the Phoenix Suns in six yep. games, of course. And uh, the head coach at the time was Mike Budenholzer, who, yeah, I mean, I guess the knock was didn't make the proper adjustments. Um they got bounced, obviously, in the first round against the Miami Heat. But the Adrian Griffin hire didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And now this is just crazy because the Bucks, like you said, they're 30 and 13, which is the second best record in the NBA. Not great against the spread, 16, 26, and one against the spread. Not really great uh defensively this season, but um through 43 games and they're already going to make a change. I don't think Doc Rivers is the answer. No. Right? Man, could you imagine if the Bucks get the Sixers in the second round in that 2-3, which it certainly looks like could happen. Yeah, and I'd be betting the 76ers. I, be I was talking about this last night. I mean, I really like Philly, and I know we're going to talk about what Joel Embiid did last night, dropping a 70-piece. Um, but, I mean, Tobias Harris having probably his best season as a pro. You have Maxie's really taking that next leap, which is why he's the uh, favorite right now to win most improved. He's awesome. Yep. Um, and it's all about coaching, man. Like Nick Nurse, we've seen him in the postseason, and I know it didn't end well in Toronto, but you saw him win the NBA Finals, win an NBA championship a couple of years ago. I thought he was really good in the Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee, against Mike Budenholzer, coached circles around him, and that was good against Golden State, but they were also really beat up. They didn't have Kevin Durant except for one half in that series. But um, 
yeah, man, like I would give the coaching advantage to Philadelphia. And right now, I love Giannis. I love Dame. But Embiid right now, probably the best player on the planet outside of Jokic. Um, we could talk about that, obviously, as well. But yeah, this is shocking, man. The Bucks through 43 games and they're already going to make a change. It looks like Joe Prunty is going to be their interim head coach, which is funny because when they fired Jason Kidd, uh, he was the interim head coach mm-hmm. before they made the Mike Budenholzer hire. So this is crazy um, for the Milwaukee Bucks, who still, even with this, I guess you call it disastrous start to the season, they're 30 and 13. It's crazy right. to say they have the second best record in the league. Are you ready to write them off because of this? Because clearly there's something that wasn't. Yeah. If they hire Doc Rivers, I am. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I think that's what's important is they better get this next head coaching decision right. Because, you know, Giannis, I mean, vouch for Griffin, right? Like the Bucks front office, they went to Giannis and they said, who do you want to be your next head coach? And he gave the Adrian Griffin seal of approval. Yeah. And now he doesn't want the guy. Ryan, we haven't even reached the all-star break. Like you said, they're 30 and 13. They're in second place in the East. You know, they traded for Dame in the offseason. They've gone all in. Obviously, Middleton's declined a little bit. They got rid of Drew Holiday. But uh, something happened behind the scenes. Like, something had to have really gone south here in the last week or so yeah, to I make mean, them make this decision. Yeah, I mean, I covered the team for a couple of years. Obviously, did radio in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, I have buddies that still do the same. And um, actually... Uh, you know, everybody's been complaining about Adrian Griffin all season long. You know, I mean, obviously, like, I like the Dame pickup, but when you trade away Drew Holiday, you know you're losing one of the better perimeter defenders. And I know he got absolutely torched by Jimmy Butler in the first round of the playoffs last year, but they've just struggled on the defensive side, on the defensive end. And then um, a lot of guys have regressed, but also, I mean, some of the guys that have regressed, like Brooke Lopez is having a disastrous season. But also, I think he's washed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a solid year last year. The year before that, he was injured the entire season. So I wasn't expecting him to have the same type of year. Uh, but we'll see what they end up doing here, man. Doc Rivers, that doesn't really move the needle for me. So if I'm looking at the Eastern Conference, I already like Boston. Uh, but I, it's hard for me to trust Boston after what they've done to me the last couple of years with the uh, finals futures. And it's probably uh, Philadelphia. You know, and and then Milwaukee right now, especially if Doc Rivers is the choice as their head coach. And how about our guy Rick Camp is going to join us later on in the show? He's been talking about Cleveland and like a team to win that division with the Bucks in it, right? Who are currently three games up. Cleveland's won eight in a row, Ryan. Like they are red hot. Only three back of Milwaukee. Now they got this head coaching change. So Milwaukee, like they're not thinking about the regular season, right? I mean, they don't care what happens. They obviously made this move because they want to win a championship, which again, just why like bringing Doc Rivers is the guy that you want to do that. I mean, there's nobody off the top of my head who I could think of as like, a better option Mike who's Budenholzer. right now. You think you think Bud's a better coach? No, than no. Yes, I do. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Even the championship, even I mean the um that he won in, in Boston, I give more credit to Tom Thibodeau for that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a Doc Rivers guy. Not when we get to the playoffs. Agreed. I mean, especially if you have a 3-1 lead. The Bucks plus 475 to win the finals, plus 220 to win the East. They still have the second best odds next to Boston plus uh 130 and then Philly plus 475. The Heat, 14 to 1. The Knicks, 20 to 1. Man, the East is a mess. And then the Cavs, who you just talked about, 25 to 1 uh, to win the East. It's another reason I like Philadelphia is because of the top teams. Like, they just so clearly have the best coach, right? I'm not sold on Missoula. Now, Milwaukee. I yeah. mean, we'll see if they end up going with Doc Rivers or somebody else. But I'm with you. I just, Philly to me is is the play, man. And uh, Joel MB, what a week he has had. He was plus 900 in the MVP odds, and now he's plus 120. 
after his 70-piece last night. When I was doing my show, send it in here on BetQL yesterday, my prop lock was Embiid over points because I remember what Giannis did when he went up against Wembenyama, and it was one of those like personal challenges, like, I've been hearing a lot about you, you're a great young player, but I'm going to show you like I'm still one of the top players in the league kind of thing. Yeah. I figured Embiid would have the same kind of attitude last night, and he just went crazy at 70 points. I just hope Joel can stay healthy. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see him go into the playoffs looking like the regular season MVP Joel Embiid kind of guy that we get. Yeah. But I'm with you. There, There is something different about this Philly team. I think a lot of it has to do with Nick no- Nick Nurse co- coaching them. Yeah. But I, I also just think that, you know, Embiid clearly being the number one guy who's going to have the ball in his hands so much, because even though when Harden was there, Embiid was the number one, Harden demands the ball a lot. So I think, you know, Embiid and then some of the veterans that they brought in to help him out, I think Philly's a dangerous team in the uh, East. We were talking about this last week, too, that Embiid we thought was the play at MVP because the numbers he was putting up, we thought that would just continue as long as he could stay healthy, and I still feel that way. I think he's the guy to beat yeah. for the MVP as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, I agree, man. And I mean, what a game last night. Victor Webb and Yama drops, you know, 30-plus. And nobody talks about it because Embiid has 70 on the other end. Right. Carl Anthony Towns scores 63 points in a loss to the Hornets, gets benched down the stretch, uh, and nobody talks about it because Embiid goes off for 70. I don't really care what happens in the playoffs um, or the playoff struggles because, you know, last year had the MVP futures. I wish I would have played a little bit more last week. It's just crazy how things could flip in the NBA, man. Nine to one last week. And then you're watching that thing last night, you know, and it's like two to one in the first quarter, just keeps dipping, 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 and now plus 120. If you had to do anything else in that market other than Embiid right now, and really it's just, it's about health, right? How many games is he going to play down the stretch? I think he's going to be playing the majority of them uh, as long as he stays healthy. Jokic is three to one. SGA is plus 375. Luka 10 to one. Giannis 11 to one. I wouldn't play Giannis at 11 to one. Jason Tatum 33 to one. I wouldn't touch. Who who else would you even look at right now if you were going to do anything? Because for me, it would probably be Luka. And then I hope that Dallas finishes as a, as a maybe a top four seed. You know, he puts up ridiculous numbers down the stretch. Maybe Embiid does sit. Uh, maybe Jokic sits down the stretch. That'd be my only uh, look probably right now would be Luka. And you look at all the time that some, you know, Kyrie's missed time this year. But I don't know, man. I don't even think it's worth a play right now. I, I think play anybody S- other than Embiid. No, I don't either. But if there was somebody I would play, I think SGA is fascinating, man. Just because, like, what if OKC gets the one seed in the West, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's going to be... He's going to be right there. I do think Giannis is interesting, though, just because of the new coach. Like, what is his role going to look like, you know? Does the new coach benefit his game? Does he put up even better numbers than what we're accustomed to? Like, how does that affect him? So, it's 11-1. to You're getting one of the best players in the league. It's going to be a lot for him to, you know, chase down Embiid. But we saw last year when Embiid and Jokic were going back and forth how much the odds were fluctuating towards the end of the year. I think with a new coach... With Giannis, like that, that could be interesting. I don't know if he wins it, but uh, to me, that that would be like a sprinkle, maybe one worth taking just because of the upside, eleven to one. But I think it's got to be SGA, man, just because of the year OKC's having, just because of the numbers that he's putting up. The problem, though, is that like they're really not on national television. Like SGA yeah. doesn't have those showcase games, right? And he's not the household name that Embiid and Jokic are. Like, obviously, people that follow the NBA, casual sports fans, they know how good SGA is. They know that the Thunder are having a good year. But that's the way these awards work. I mean, 
you know, it's like when we talk about in college and all these guys that play in the Pac-12, like you don't want, you know, the East Coast doesn't stay up and watch them at night. It's tough to watch the Thunder play. So what do you think about? Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree, man. And before I would do anything with Shea, I'd probably I mean, I played all the Wemby futures. And after last night, both one uh, minus 115 right now. So uh, Victor Webb and Yama minus 115. Chet Holmgren also minus 115. I was just man, if they finish as a top two seed, the top seed in the West, does maybe Shea get a look for MVP? And does Chet end up winning rookie of the year? Because usually, you know, team success has nothing to do with rookie of the year. But if they win 55 plus games, and they're a top seed in the Western Conference, and he's putting up numbers. I think that definitely benefits. It helps. I mean, I know that Wemby's going to be playing in big games all season long. They're going to be nationally televised, but the Spurs aren't going to win more than 15 games this season. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I know. Weren't we talking about that last week where, like, OKC could just, like, wipe the floor with the awards market? You know, they could sweep it all. Rookie of the year, MVP, coach of the year, all these different things. Um, they're They're certainly a team to watch. I mean... What do you think about that division, though, with, like, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder? Um, I mean, do you think the Thunder get the one seed? Like, I think that basically what that comes down to is who do you think gets the one seed in the West? Denver, Minnesota, or OKC? Yeah, see, I just I don't want to do anything against the Nuggets. I don't want to bet against the Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like down the stretch, I know they, they could have the championship hangover and the regular season doesn't really matter as long as they're a top four seed in the West. Um, but man, they're scary. I could see them repeating. I, I think that they're going to be something to deal with. You I see what Aaron Gordon's doing right now on yeah. the defensive end. I mean, the other night he didn't even score and he played 40 plus minutes in that game. Uh, Jokic is obviously awesome. And it's all about Jamal Murray staying healthy. Cause then they have a closer. What's crazy is I'm looking at the Southeast division right now. The heater minus two twenty five. Cause I'm tempted to look at some heat futures. I mean, Did obviously you like the trade today? I do. I do. Uh, so they're 14 to one right now to win the East. And then they're 35 to one to win the finals. Yeah. I like Terry Rozier. I mean, he's having a ridiculously nice season for Terry Rozier, 23 points per game, six times. The Hornets are obviously terrible. Yes. Um, so that helps because the volume's been there, but oh, for Kyle Lowry in a 2027 first round pick, I actually really like that deal. You get another score. Yep. In the fourth quarter of these games, you already have Bam. You have Jimmy Butler, who obviously, when it comes to the playoffs, ends up uh, becoming Michael Jordan yeah. every single year. So, Hawkins yeah, I like it. has been awesome. Hero. I like it, too. Another scorer, another ball handler, another good perimeter defender. I think he's going to fit in there well. So, I'm with you. You know, Kyle Lowry is kind of a veteran guard who brings toughness and experience and kind of just, like, epitomizes that heat culture. But... He just doesn't, I mean, he's not the same Kyle Lowry that he was in Toronto. So with Rozier, you're really getting another guy who can score the ball, to your point, which I think is big. So I did like that trade for Miami as well. I don't know if that moves the needle for me to take them in, like, the Eastern Conference or anything like that. You know, I don't know if they're on the level of Milwaukee, Boston, or Philadelphia, but I I did think it was a... uh, was a good trade for them. He was good in the playoffs a couple of years ago when he absolutely uh, cooked Eric Bledsoe when they played against Milwaukee. And he's still only 29 years old. The Heat 24 and 19, six in the East. And they're actually going to save some money, 15.4 million in luxury tax on this trade. And it creates 6 million for the uh, trade exception too. So I like that deal. And they get another guy that could score. And obviously they have one of the uh, better head coaches in the league too. So definitely worth a look. Uh, I'm not really doing anything in the NBA until yeah, we- I was Till we get till uh till, till till football season's over here. Fair enough. Yeah, we're gonna talk some football uh coming up. We're gonna recap what we saw in divisional weekend. We're gonna look at the two games in the NFC, Detroit, Tampa Bay, the 49ers, and the Packers. Right now, San Francisco favored by seven. 
Obviously, Debo Samuel 50-50 to play, so we will talk about that. We're also going to talk about the AFC Divisional Round. Baltimore gets past Houston, and then the Chiefs outlast the Buffalo Bills. We'll give out uh, some of our best bets in some of those games coming up. Obviously, Breakdown Championship Sunday. BetMGM has some great specials that we will discuss. Going to be a great show for the next three hours and 45 minutes here on You Better You Bet. PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat here on a Tuesday filling in for Nick and Ken on You Better You Bet presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. You better you bet. Presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat on a Tuesday. We're filling in for Nick and Ken. They will be back tomorrow right here on uh, You Better You Bet. Ryan and I, we're going to talk some football now after breaking down the uh, the news about Adrian Griffin getting fired from the Milwaukee Bucks as they look for a new head coach with a 30-13 and record. Ryan, before we talk about Championship Sunday, let's break down what we saw in divisional Weekend, and we will start in the NFC with the Lions and the Bucks. Now, this was a bad beat for us because we both like Tampa plus six and a half. All came down to that two point conversion. Feeling good when it was 17 17. They had him right there. Baker was starting to get in a rhythm. Yeah. That game was really good to us for props. Mike Evans, 147 yards easy. Baker went over his pass attempts, went over his passing yards. Jameer Gibbs had a nice game for Detroit. So, we were almost we almost hit everything in the game. It was almost a really nice game. Bucks just couldn't get us that two point conversion. They lose thirty one to twenty three. By the way, I didn't know what this term was until earlier in the week. Did you guys know, like in fantasy football terms, what an octopus is? Oh yeah, when you score the touchdown and get the two point conversion. I had no idea what that was, and then somebody told me about it, and then sure enough, watching the Bucks game and Mike Evans almost had himself one, yeah. caught the touchdown that should have had the two point. Yeah, but it's funny that that's never happened before in the Super Bowl. You know, rarely see it in the playoffs, too, but you almost got one. Yeah, so that was a bad beat. And I was actually just shocked that Todd Bowles decided to go with the analytics and actually go for two. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, I thought he was kicking. So no issues there for me. I love the decision. I wish, uh, obviously, we get the at least the flag, and then they're able to maybe run it in. So that was a painful beat. But my biggest bet of the weekend it was actually a prop. It was the Mike Evans prop that we talked about. Took Mike Evans to uh, have the most receiving yards divisional round weekend, and he had 11 targets, seven receptions, 142 yards, had the anytime touchdown, had the first touchdown of the game. Uh, so that looked pretty good. Uh, worked out pretty good, I should say. And then the Gibbs props, man. I know a lot of people rip, and I'm not a big fan of drafting running backs in the first round, but man, I mean, Jameer Gibbs, and you know this, being an Alabama fan, the one year that he spent, even before that, like I played Heisman Futures when he was at Georgia Tech before he even transferred. Um, this is why you take him 12th overall. He had a 31-yard touchdown run that really blows the game open. He had, what, 74 rushing yards on just nine carries and then had another 40 yards on four receptions. Uh, he's awesome. And then mm-hmm. you have the one-two punch with Montgomery. They're scary right now on the offensive side of the ball as, as long as they're able to protect Goff, and Goff's really good off play action, so... 
I expect them to uh, up the usage this weekend against San Francisco. And we'll see, man. Um, it's going to be a... I'm pretty excited about that one. I played a bunch of props already, a bunch of unders actually in that game for the Lions. Sam Laporta under four and a half receptions. I really mm. like the linebackers uh, for the Niners, obviously Greenlaw and uh, Fred Warner. You saw what they were able to do in that game against Green Bay, especially Greenlaw. Uh, but man, I, the biggest takeaway I had from the Lions was they made life living hell for Baker Mayfield, which we expected from Todd Bowles to blitz a ton. Aiden Hutchinson's been awesome this season. Um, but man, they got a bunch of pressure with their defensive backs too. Brian Branch had a sack. They had two and a half sacks from their secondary in that game. And uh, that was uh, unfortunately how it all uh, ended with Baker Mayfield throwing that brutal interception. Yep. And uh, I actually played some bucks money line. Mm. So that was, yeah. that, that was pretty painful, but the props ended up working out. Luckily the props were good. My biggest takeaway too, man. I mean, we've seen it in two playoff games now, how quickly the lions can strike. Like, Against the Rams, right? First three possessions of the game, go down, score three touchdowns. This game against Tampa, they really didn't do much in the first half. I mean, they had 10 points, and then they come out. And that late third, early fourth quarter, I mean, it just came in waves. Both teams were trading punches. The offense really picked up. So, I mean, that's how quickly it can happen with Detroit. Again, Jared Goff had a really good game. 30 for 43, 287, two touchdowns, no interceptions. You mentioned it, Jameer Gibbs rushing, receiving was really good. And then the way it's been all year, there are one-two punches, Sam Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Josh Reynolds, I took his under 40.5 receiving yards. Was happy he only had two catches for 27 yards. The Lions have so many different weapons, so many ways they can come at you. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting test for them this yeah, week against I mean, San Francisco. Really quick, good point that they have so many weapons because I said um, Mike Evans, first touchdown. Didn't have the first touchdown in the game. First touchdown came from Josh Reynolds. It was 18-1, to 1, yep. and I used the free bet on Josh Reynolds. Uh, I sent that to Nick and Trista. I was like, look at this bad boy. Wow. But unfortunately, it was a $5 free bet only. Wish I would have bet a little bit bigger on that one. And then I also wish I had a Craig Reynolds anytime touchdown. Mm. I mean, I saw that the most bet prop, not that it matters, was David Montgomery to score an anytime touchdown. And it's Craig Reynolds who gets that fourth and one carry. Brutal, man. Because I considered it and I was like, I don't think we're going to see Craig Reynolds in this game with Gibbs and with Montgomery. And he ends up scoring that anytime touchdown. But nice win, obviously, for the Lions. Uh, 31-23. They cover the number, unfortunately. Game goes over, luckily. And uh, all the props for me hit. I can't wait for this San Francisco game, man. I like the Niners, um, bet the Niners on the look ahead at six and a half. If we got to seven and a half, I don't think we're going to get to seven and a half. I think that'll get gobbled up. I uh, bet MGM tonight last night. We talked with Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider. He said probably no shot we get to seven and a half or even yeah. back to seven uh, because of what's going on right now in Detroit, man. Everybody wants to bet the Lions, and what a year for them. Obviously, they just got the uh, Wolverines, and uh, who knows? Maybe look at the hold on to Jim Harbaugh. I think we're going to figure that out here in a couple hours. Yeah, I'm though. hoping we get some breaking news. Yeah, we've had good on. luck on this show. We have had it with uh, with some coaches. Already had it today. That certainly is going to be an interesting game, though, with the total at 51. What about for the Bucks? I mean, has Baker Mayfield done enough where you think they run it back with him next season? Do they entertain drafting a quarterback this year in the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think that you definitely probably have to bring him back, right? I mean, you I were a game so. away from the NFC Championship. You were two games away from the Super Bowl. So it was a one-year deal for Baker for, what, like $4 million? I think he's earned another year. Uh, but I would probably look to draft somebody. I would like Bo Nix in Tampa. Hmm. Bo Nix, if he got to sit for a couple years. And I know that quarterbacks don't sit for a couple years anymore. But, I mean, it works out for some guys. Look at Jordan Love. Um, Bo Nix, I would like. I don't think they're going to have a shot at, like, a Jaden Daniels. I mean, I saw some mocks today where Jaden Daniels goes number two. They're talking about that in D.C., 
Maybe Jaden Daniels being the second pick for the Commanders. I think that would be crazy. I think you have to, and I like Jaden Daniels. I think he could be Lamar, maybe a more accurate Lamar. And if he puts on some weight, some muscle, and learns the slide, get out of bounds, um, I think he could be really, really damn good. But you got to go Caleb. You got to go Drake May, I think, is the top two quarterbacks. I agree. Bo Nix isn't a bad call to Tampa. Maybe they go with somebody, you know, later in the round, like a Michael Pratt or somebody like that. But uh, I think, you know. J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, no J.J. McCarthy. I think the worst thing that could have happened for Tampa Bay making this run is not necessarily bringing Baker back, but I think now they got to hold on to Todd Bowles, right? Because, like you said, with Baker, you were one win away from the NFC title game. I think Bowles is a good defensive coordinator. I don't think he's a good head coach. And, again, with this head coaching cycle, like I think Vrabel would be a good coach in Tampa, man. Yeah. That defense with all those veteran players that they had, I think they would rally around him. And Baker is like a fiery competitor that I really think would feed off of Vrabel and we'd be good for him. Those veterans that they have on offense with Evans and Godwin. And, uh, you know, Rashad White's a nice young running back, too. They got some guys on the O-line. Tampa's got some veteran pieces. I think that would mesh really well with Vrabel. I think he'd be a good coach there. So, you know, obviously you get rid of Brady or Brady retires in the offseason. You come into this season. You think it's just going to be a bridge year. You think you're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL yeah. building towards the future. And next thing you know, you win the division, get to the playoffs, win a playoff game, and maybe you found something with Baker. I got to be honest. I think if they were smart, they would look at the Giants from last year. And, I mean, you know, the Giants win a playoff game, but it, it came against Minnesota, whose pass defense was absolutely brutal. Yeah. So they had to bring back Daniel Jones. And it wasn't a bad deal, right? Like, they could move off that deal when they mm-hmm. want. Um, and obviously you were going to bring Dable and Kafka back because they're awesome. But you bring back Daniel Jones, you bring back Saquon, and then you miss out on the playoffs. Or they could even look at Seattle, like the year that Geno had. Not even the year that Geno had. The first eight weeks of the season that Geno had last year. Yeah. And they bring him back when you thought he was going to be the bridge quarterback. And you thought maybe they're going to take a quarterback early in the first round. And they go defense. They go with Devin Witherspoon, who Mm -hmm. I really like that pick, but they missed out on the playoffs. So I think if you're Tampa, you should just almost like blow that thing up. I agree. But the argument is you're in the NFC. And you look at that division. I mean, who knows? Atlanta, if they hire Bill Belichick, um, maybe maybe they're really good next year. But I don't really like anybody in the NFC South. I think that uh, the Saints should just rip the Band-Aid off. They've been in cap hell for the last couple of years. And they're not going to win anything with De- uh, Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. I promise you that. It's a great call, though, on fading Tampa for next season. Their oh, team yeah. total, un- their uh, like wins under is going to be one of my favorite uh, bets in the offseason, is fading the Bucks next year. So they play the AFC West next year. They're going to be at the Chiefs, at the Chargers. They're going to get the Broncos at home, the Raiders at home. Then, oh, by the way, they got the first-place schedule now because they won the division. So they got to play home against San Francisco, home against Baltimore. They got to play home against Dallas. I mean, it's just going to be brutal. Then they also play the uh, NFC East. So they're going to have to play Philadelphia, Washington, and the Giants. It's going to be a tough schedule. Yeah, that's going to be a really tough schedule. Like you said, first-place schedule. And even this year, I mean, they won nine games. Mm -hmm. I mean, they won nine regular season games. They needed the last couple weeks just to sneak into the playoffs. In a brutal division, you bring back Baker Mayfield. You bring back Todd Bowles. And and a lot of those guys on the defensive side of the ball that I like that were on the Super Bowl team, you know, are going to be another year older. I I still love Vita Vea. I think they should move on from some of those guys, though, man. Like, I would love to see Mike Evans go elsewhere. I'd like to see, I mean, I wouldn't like to see it because they're probably going to win the Super Bowl every year regardless or at least be in the AFC Championship game. But, like, imagine Mike Evans with Patrick Mahomes. I was going to say with Josh Allen, but that's the the issue for the Bills. Who, if the Bills are smart, and I know we're going to get to them in a second, 
they would just make the change right now. You have to fire Sean McDermott. I agree. Because, like, Josh Allen's not going anywhere, but the rest of that team, not going to be around the next couple of years. I'd move on right now from Stephon Diggs. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Diggs is gone. He's done with Buffalo, and they should be done with him, especially after those drops. Gabe Davis never emerged as that number two guy. I like Dalton Kincaid, but then on the defensive side of the ball, man, They're so many good. injuries the I last know. couple of years, year, though. Be good. Like, Matt Milano, you lose early on in the year. The Von Miller... Signing. I know he had eight and a half sacks before he got hurt last year in the first eight games of the season, but he didn't do anything this year. He looks absolutely washed. I would just fire McDermott, especially this year, man, because you could go out there and Harbaugh's not uh, with the Chargers yet. He's not back at Michigan yet, so you still have a shot at him. I'd bring in Bill Belichick, one of those coaches that tells the team, the organization, that they're ready to win right now. That's what I would do. If I was the Bills, but sorry. I, I like it. No, you're yeah. right. I like it. That Tampa, I'm definitely taking Tampa's under their win total Same. next season. Absolutely love that. All right, your Packers put up heck of a fight against the 49ers. Should have won that game. They lose 24-21. to 21. I, This was the game I was the most wrong on. I The 49ers only went in by three. The under hit. Niners team total under hit, even though Dre Greenlaw did everything he possibly could at the end to try and get us that over in the yeah. cover. Yeah, what was he thinking? <laughs> what was he thinking? Uh... Your takeaway from the Packers, like, I'm not into really, like, moral victories or, like, you know, having a young team and, like, that was a great effort and, like, we'll be back, especially a game like that where you should have won and you should be playing this weekend. But for having the youngest team in the NFL, for moving off of Aaron Rodgers, like, there are are a lot of positives this season. Like, you know that Jordan loves QB1. You know you have your quarterback. You know Matt LaFleur can coach. And, you know, Green Bay went toe-to-toe with the best two teams in the NFC, toe-to-toe, they smashed Dallas, and then they should have beaten San Francisco. So I think if you're a Green Bay fan, Ryan, after this game, it yeah. sucks, it hurts, you know, a missed opportunity, but uh, they're they're heading in the right direction. You know, it's funny. I was watching this game with my wife and with my 10-year-old son, and um, usually I have Packers futures, and I'm cheering pretty hard for the team, and I was just a nervous wreck the entire game. I mean, one, we bet the Niners. I bet the Niners. Uh, I had the Niners team total in the first half over. I had some Debo props. I was all about the Kittle receiving yards, oh, which yeah. came home over That's 52 it. and a half receiving Great call. yards. Green Death Bay taxes. Green, Green Bay. Yeah, they, they can't. <laughs> they can't defend the middle of the field. They can't defend tight ends. And Debo was about to have a monster game too if he doesn't. I mean, first I thought he was concussed, and then he has the shoulder injury. Um, but man, I mean, I was freaking out because I have the Niners futures. I thought that they were going to blow that game, that they were going to lose that game. Because that was my concern all season long. Brock Purdy going back to looking like the Brock Purdy that I lost a ton of money on betting when he was at Iowa State with Brees Hall and Matt Campbell. He went back to being a pumpkin. And there's a couple ways that that happens. If Trent Williams gets hurt, the rest of that offensive line, the interior of that offensive line isn't very good. If Christian McCaffrey goes down, um, you know, that's obviously a huge blow losing that run game, losing your, the, maybe the best, definitely the best running back in the league. And then if Debo goes down, that's when Brock Purdy really looks like a pumpkin man. Yeah. And I mean, against Joe Barry's defense, the same defense that Tommy DeVito absolutely cooked one NFC player of the week, Baker Mayfield at Lambeau field on the road, had a perfect QB rating against that defense. And I know they've, they've looked a little bit better the last couple of weeks, even Dallas hung 30 plus and Jake Ferguson had three touchdowns in that game. So um, that was concerning, man. Uh, really concerning. Also though, there was some rust for San Francisco, but for green Bay, like I feel all right, but at the same time, so Jordan love, I still consider a project and people could crush me and kill me for that. He was pretty solid. Uh, the final, obviously eight weeks of the season, he only had one turnover, but then he had two picks in this playoff game. 
Like the final eight weeks of the season, I just thought Matt LaFleur was in his bag. I still think he's one of the better play callers in the league. I don't know if he's a great head coach, but I know he's a really good play caller. Look at the guys that he was scheming open. You go back to the Cowboys game, the Luke Musgrave touchdown, even in the first half against San Francisco, guys, Bo Melton is just wide open running down the field. Who the hell is Bo Melton? He was on the practice squad the first 10 weeks of the season. So I think that said a lot more about LaFleur, and they got the run game going with Aaron Jones. But, man, when Love was under pressure, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Josh Allen. Like, he's got he's got an arm. He's got a cannon for an arm, but he doesn't take anything underneath. He doesn't go through all of his progression sometimes. So that's that's what scares me a little bit about their future. But I feel a lot better than I did, what, week seven, week eight? I mean, they started three and six. So I uh, feel a little bit better than I did week 10, but... I still think, man, I don't know. Chicago, if they end up getting Caleb Williams with all that money they have to spend, I think that's a team that you fear in the NFC. We'll talk some more about that and react to some breaking news in the NFL next. You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. TJ Glasser, Ryan Horvath, You Better You Bet, presented by Bet MGM, filling in for Nick and Ken here on this Tuesday. As a reminder, right now we are on Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205, so make sure you check us out there. You can also keep watching us on twitch.tv slash BetQL, YouTube backslash Odyssey Sports. As well, right here on the BetQL Network, we will be on Stadium. Watch stadium.com to start the next hour at 4 o'clock Eastern time. Rick Camp going to join us later on in the show. But, Ryan, any last uh, closing thoughts of Packers and 49ers before we move on to the AFC game? Packers' future on the offensive side of the ball, looking pretty bright. Jordan Love, really good down the stretch. I love the Favre comparisons after that final throw. That reminded me of Favre. Uh, Minnesota Viking far oh, yeah. against the Saints, Saints in the NFC yes. Championship game Literally in the Bounty the same game. Thing. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what that reminded me of. Or uh, Favre in the playoffs in the NFC Championship game against the Giants, his final game at Lambeau Field as a member of the Green Bay Packers. I, I like Jordan Love, but like that's kind of the stuff that we saw at Utah State. He was much better the second half of the season. He Went was. through his progressions. It wasn't just like explosive plays. Him trying to hit the deep ball. Uh, took the stuff underneath. Took the checkdowns. I just... Wish he would have done that in the biggest game of the year. They got to, uh, it's always special teams, man. Like two years ago against the Niners, uh, divisional round, you have that game at Lambeau Field, cold weather game. You have Aaron Rodgers as your starting quarterback. You outplay him and you lose that game because you have a punt and a kick block. Like it always comes down to special teams. Anders Carlson was never the answer. They should have never moved on from Mason Crosby. I get he doesn't have the strongest leg, but you know what he does do? He hits 44 to 46 yarders to tie or win games. So Carlson was a disaster all season long. I know Matt LaFleur said that that comment, that quote was taken out of context. I don't think it was. Every time that he took the field, I think we all said a prayer and just <laughs> took a deep breath. So Hoping for the best. Defensive side of the ball, I think you have to fire Joe Barry. I get the defense was a little bit better down the stretch, but let's look at who that was against. The Bears and Justin Fields, the Vikings on their fifth quarterback of the season. And, um, like, they've spent so many first-round picks on the defensive side of the ball. Rashawn Gary, they just paid him a bunch of money. He's making, like, T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett pass rusher money. 
He had one sack the final seven weeks of the season. Wow. Did not have a sack in that playoff loss to the 49ers. Had a tackle for a loss. Um, so I think you got to move on from Joe Barry. That style of defense just doesn't work in today's NFL. This soft zone coverage, you got to mix things up, man. You got to uh you got a script, you got a game plan for opponent. That's why I love your guys, defensive coordinator. Me too. McDonald. I Me mean too. I don't want him to leave ever. I think, but that's he's the best. That's where it starts, man. They got to fix up the defensive side of the ball. Next. They got to get a new coordinator and they got to draft big, fast, mean guys. More pass rushers. Better corners, better safety play. I never want to see Darnell Savage Jr. ever again. I never want to see Simone Biles' husband ever again. <laughs> they can't tackle. And, uh, yeah, I'm actually really, really glad that the season's over. And I'm really happy, to be honest, that San Francisco won that game. Because, sure, love Green Bay. I'll always be a Packer fan. But money way more important. Sure. And I have a lot of 49ers futures. Um, Next season, when NFC North futures become available, Bears. Is, is Detroit minus money to win the division? Or have the Packers done enough to where Detroit will be like plus 115, Green Bay will be like plus 200? No, I think it might look, I think it'd be like, hmm, that's a good question, actually, because we got to see what the offseason looks like. I, and especially if Cousins is back, too. It might be either, like, around even money for Detroit, or they might even be, like, some chalk, like minus 125. I guess we have you know? to see how the season finishes this year, too, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. if they win the Super Bowl, they're probably going to be minus money. I'd say probably, like, best price you get on Green Bay, especially after the way Jordan Love played down the stretch. We'll see what they do if they, you know, make some changes on defense. would probably be, like, 2-1, to one, Yeah, you know, the way that they... Yeah, definitely, man. And I'll be fading the Lions, to be honest with you. If they lose Ben Johnson... You know, what's Jared Goff going to look like? Good I'm not point. saying he's going to suck, but Jared yeah. Goff has been great with Ben Johnson. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how the season ends for Detroit. But I would probably – I want to see what the Bears' uh, numbers look like, what their prices look like. Mm. Make that mistake again with Matt Eberflus, <laughs> maybe Caleb Williams. And uh, they got a, they got a lot of money. And they have two top ten picks, too. Yeah. And, it, look, if they hire Greg Roman as our offensive coordinator, year, I don't like year that. one of Greg Roman will be great. After that, not so much. Uh, breaking news we mentioned as we were heading to break. Ian Rappaport tweeted out that, according to sources, all signs are pointing to the Raiders hiring former Chargers GM Tom Telesco to be their new general manager. So, as we know, the Chargers are one of the most talented teams in football. They have stud after stud offense and defense. They just can't translate it to wins. But I think it's a pretty good pickup for the Chargers, right? I mean, you keep the guy in division, so you know he's going to be extra extra motivated. He certainly knows all those teams inside and out. And it's like, you know, I mean, what do the Raiders have to lose? They got their cornerstone on defense with Max Crosby. Devontae Adams is certainly a superstar, but he is aging. I mean, they got to get their quarterback right. I think they did the right thing of keeping Antonio Pierce as their head coach. But, uh, you know, for what was available to them, I think it's a good move for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the tweet right now from Ian Rappaport. Uh, Telesco built one of the NFL's best rosters over a decade with the rival Chargers. Now he's expected to stay in the division. And I love looking at the uh, comments. comments. Yeah, Chargers Union. Two playoff appearances, zero division titles, an 84-92 and 92 record. Wanted to draft Tua and had Herbert fall to him. Zero picks. Um, re-signed to second contracts after the third round. But I'll say this, man. Like, was that on Telesco or was that on coaching? Was that on Brandon Staley? Because I do like what he did. Like, he was super aggressive these last couple of years because you had Justin Herbert at the time on the rookie deal. And you go out and you get um, – Well, you, you already had Joey Bosa. Yeah, right. you get Cleo Mack. But J.C. Jackson at the time 
look like a top five corner was playing like the best corner in all of football in new England with bill Belichick. And then right. he was a total bust. And you know, you send him back to new England, but at least they were aggressive. Uh, but man, saying that's one of the NFL's best rosters over the last decade with that record is, is kind of crazy, right? I mean, you look at the offensive side of the ball. I love Justin Herbert, but Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are talented, but neither can stay on the field. You know, Gerald Everett, does that do it for you? The offensive line's been a mess. They fixed that up a little bit with, like, the Slater pick. And then um, I like Austin Eckler, but he doesn't even want to be there. And Quentin Johnston looked like a complete bust, especially if he played his props and his anytime touchdowns every week. He was a complete bust. So, I don't know. I don't know that I could call that one of the NFL's best rosters. But I will say this. He's super aggressive, and uh, that's a good thing if you're Antonio Pierce because you want to last there at least a couple of years. So no you're going to want to be aggressive in free agency. And, that, and that's a place where like guys are going to want to go play, you know, like guys, you asked me like about green Bay, let's see what they're actually able to do. They have to hit on every single pick every single year. Cause nobody wants to go live there, mm-hmm. but people will want to go live in Vegas, man. And people will want to go play for the Raiders. If it's cool, if it's fun again, and if they're relevant again, problem is that division that they're in. No doubt. Well, a couple of teams that players are certainly going to want to go play for is Baltimore and Houston, because they have pretty good quarterbacks. The Ravens, Defeat the Texans 34-10. to uh, Ryan, I can tell you, I was at the game. It was 10-10 at halftime. Houston, they had that punt return, and everybody in the stadium was just... Nobody said anything, but you could just feel it. We were like, oh, gosh, not not again. Please, don't, don't let this happen again. And then they came out in the second half, man. And this is why I was so happy the Ravens finally moved on from Greg Roman. I think they probably win that game if Roman is OC, but they certainly don't win it 20 by 24 points. The adjustments that Munkin and, Lam- and Lamar made at halftime were so good to go because D'Amico Ryans came out and he fooled them. He was just blitzing them nonstop. Yeah. The Ravens were running all these routes down the field. Lamar didn't have much time. They had to change it up. They started going to the short passing game. And then once they moved the ball, then they started to get the run game going and they started clicking on offense. But my favorite play call was when it was fourth and one at midfield and they run the naked bootleg to Lamar to get the first down. Like that was the play of the game. Um, the play calling was just great in the second half. Lamar played great. First player in playoff history. Run for two touchdowns. Throw for two touchdowns. Have 100 passing and rushing yards. Look like the MVP. And that's why I think this Ravens team is different. Because they had so much pressure on them. Lamar had so much pressure on them. It was 10-10. to 10, And they could have been down 13-10 to 10 if Fairbairn doesn't miss that field goal. Yeah. All the pressure is on them. They're at home as double-digit point favorites. And they came out and they handled their business. They didn't panic at all. And they didn't give up an offensive touchdown to Stroud. With how well Houston played and Slowick and that offense looked last week against Cleveland, again, you were talking about Mike McDonald, man. I mean, the dude is just, he's the best. He's the best in the business right now is D.C. So really impressive second half from the Ravens. Oh, yeah, man. And I wish I played some some Baltimore futures. I did in the regular season, win total and division, and then I have the Lamar MVP. But I don't have any uh, any Super Bowl any Super Bowl futures with uh, Baltimore, unfortunately. But man, that was uh, that was fun to watch in the second half there. And I mean, after the after the punt return, they didn't get anything. They had a field goal. That defense is just elite for Baltimore. Dude, Houston didn't get the ball inside the Ravens' twenty-five yard line. Yeah, I mean, it, they weren't even like close to scoring a touchdown. Yeah, and, and obviously, like offensively, that's why 
I love the hire. Um, and I, I'm with you on Greg Roman. Greg Roman's really good, like his first year, right? right. And that's why yeah. I was really happy to see yesterday that the Bears ended up hiring uh, Shane Waldron as their OC because I thought if they hired Greg Roman, that meant that they were going to bring back Justin Fields mm-hmm. and go with like the run heavy type stuff that exactly. they did in Baltimore with with Lamar. And uh, yeah, I love the Todd Munkin offense, man. It's like Louisville 2.0 for Lamar. Right. He's in the shotgun. You know, and we know now in the playoffs, like the rushing props were my favorite prop, uh, my favorite bet going into that game, just Mm -hmm. because once we get into the playoffs, like I said with Mahomes and like I said with Josh Allen, uh, these guys are going to use their legs. And Lamar was electric, also finished 16 to 22 passing, 152 yards, had a couple touchdowns. Isaiah likely gets in the end zone. Um, We knew the tight ends, the tight end props were going to be a look going into that game, especially if Mark Andrews wasn't going to be on the field. I think Isaiah likely was a really good look. So, uh, yeah, man, I feel really good about this Ravens team. I can't wait for this game coming up against Kansas City. Me neither. Speaking of Kansas City, they defeated Buffalo 27-24. to You and I were saying all week, it's just the numbers play with Mahomes at the plus three. Yeah. I still feel like the Bills were the better team. They were just so banged up on defense, and uh, you know they couldn't get a stop. But it's Mahomes, and Kelsey was great. They just managed to do enough. Pacheco was awesome, too. Bills finally got the Chiefs at home, which is what they wanted weren't able to get the job done. So now, as you were alluding to early on in the show, a lot of questions for Buffalo in this offseason. Do they run it back with Sean McDermott? I agree with you, especially because of what's available at the head coaching market. I mean, Josh Allen you're, is good enough to win a Super Bowl with. Like, you can win a Super Bowl oh, yeah. with Josh Allen, but you just you got to get the head coaching right. Um, and with McDermott, it just, yeah, there's something missing there. It just feels like they're never going to get to that point with him as head coach. So, We'll see what happens. We come back. We're going to start breaking down some of these games. We will break down that Ravens-Chiefs matchup. We will also look at Niners and Lions, and we'll discuss some of the BetMGM playoff specials that are available right here. You better you bet. Presented by BetMGM. We're over to stadium now for the top of our number two. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.